You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, and welcome to The Compass, the podcast documenting the struggles of life as an artist. I'm Leah Walsh. Hi, guys. I'm so happy to be back post-holidays. I have some wonderful artists lined up to be guests on the podcast over the next month. Um, To be honest with you, I was hoping to be back last week. Um, I was really excited for the new year, but I ended up coming down with bronchitis pretty much on New Year's Day. So that had me down for a while. I don't know about you, but I get really angry when I'm sick. I know it's not a big deal, but I just get frustrated that I'm not at 100% and I can't be productive. Um, And I basically don't have control over the way my body's feeling. So I missed out on that hopeful, driven first week of the new year. So I am starting over this week. This is my New Year's week, and I'm excited to uh, do all those things that I missed. And I'm also excited to evaluate the podcast and see what I've been doing and how I can change it and improve it. So Happy New Year. My guest today is Joel Rainwater. He is a fantastic actor who I've looked up to ever since we went to the University of Evansville together. He is such a thoughtful, intelligent, and witty person. We did a version of Uncle Vanya together called Drunkle Vanya a year and a half ago, and we're currently revamping it for a short run in a few weeks, which you'll hear about. I couldn't be happier to be working with him again and to speak with him on the podcast. I hope you enjoy the 17th episode of The Compass. for talking with me, Joel. Thank you I'm for having excited. me. So what is the dark side for you as an artist and how do you try to stay out of it? Well, um, you know, I don't always try to stay out of it, which uh, uh, is both good and bad. But I think for me, the dark side consists of just really intense doubt, um, which I, I feel like it does for actors in general, just because the nature of what we do is always so in flux, but sometimes I also, (laughs) because I sort of, you know, the dark side, as the Star Wars will tell you, is very powerful, (laughs) and sometimes you actually need to access it for a minute, and so, like the other day, I had this terrible, I had a terrible meeting um, with an agency, and Mm -hmm. I just went home, and I just... I was in bed (laughs) in the afternoon and I just let myself like drift to all the furthest, darkest regions where I'm just like, this is terrible. I don't have anything to offer. Um, I'm never really going to get there. And then I 
sometimes find that once you let yourself go to those places, you can sort of suss out what is true and what is false about it. Right. You know, because you're like, well, obviously <laughs> everything's okay. <laughs> right. And obviously I've had some measure of success and that's not going to stop just because of one setback. And, you know, and then you get, you gotta, sometimes you, the dark side will give you like a chip on your shoulder that is actually sort of helpful or that the dark side will give you, uh, something to, to like struggle against, you know, but you can't go there a uh, whole hog all the time because yeah. otherwise you'll just die of sadness. <laughs> so when you're not using it to your advantage like that, mm-hmm. uh, do you have any like practical ways that you try to keep things in perspective in the day to day? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I try and not just, uh, if I find myself like sitting idly in my apartment for too long, um, in a robe, (laughs) I'll be like, wait a minute, Uh, I can combat this, you know, and go go outside. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I'm, I, I'm really tied to like my own, uh, physicality in terms of like things. So like, I'm always like moving around. I'm like always at the gym. I'm always, Mm -hmm. and not just because of, uh, uh, vanity or anything like that. It's just really, I feel like it's, it's hard to stay miserable if you're physically active. Um, and so I like, I hit a heavy bag and, you know, you just if you do that for 40 minutes you just can't stay mad you know you're just like oh look it's all gone (laughs) i punched it out um and i know you've been working for a while on this uh one play that you take around right Mm -hmm. that you've been touring with and you just performed it in new york um what have you been juggling recently as far as like income and finding a way to pay all your bills as an mm. actor has that kind of been the solution for you or have you been juggling a bunch of day jobs too or well i mean for the last two and a half years all i've done is this play the um, same play the same play oh so God. i was part of this um show called the great divorce which is based on a c.s lewis book and uh which started as a i thought it was going to be a workshop um, because that's sort of how they sold it. And, and so I, I, and I was really happy to have that workshop. I was like six weeks of work. Awesome. <laughs> and, uh, it slowly became clear to me over the course that we were developing the project that it was going to tour and they had always sort of planned for that to happen. Huh. Um, that if the room gelled the right way during rehearsals and, it did, and um, they had had another C.S. Lewis property called The Screw Tape Letters that they had also toured, um, and is still ongoing um, to this day. So C.S. Lewis, C.S. Lewis, he's a popular he, guy. yes, he is a popular guy. People come out for that, and so uh, once we realized that was happening, I thought, okay, we're going to tour for six months, and then we toured for another six months and it just kept going and kept going. We would have some breaks, but it was never a break. I had one break where I did, um, a show with you. Mm -hmm. And then I had another break where I did another show out of town, you know, that was like, we we were off for, you know, 
eight weeks or something at one point um, before we revamped for New York and I left town to do a show then. But other than that, and we just closed um, on the 3rd of January. So so that has been my job until last week. Is it, is it <laughs> It's over done now? for the foreseeable future. It might ramp up again later, but we have no uh, guarantees. And so I can't complain. It's been a good, wow. it's been a good run. What was that like, like sustaining that kind of, um, just working on one project for that long? What kind of obstacles did you run into as far as like keeping mm. creative? And, yeah. Um, and also like traveling away from home so much. Yeah. Well, the, again, p- part of the reason that the gig was so great was because it was weekends almost entirely. We had a couple of instances where like we were in DC for three weeks mm-hmm. or we'd go to Phoenix for two weeks or something, you know, we'd have some extended stays, but mostly we would go to Nashville for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or, you know, Kansas city, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, wh- wherever That's it was. So unique. It, it was like really a company almost. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, but that's also great. Cause we got to come back here and, you know, you're paid for the week, so it's not like uh, oh. I, you didn't really have to scramble after that to um, find other work. It would have been really hard for me to have another uh, dependable source of income because of the touring schedule. But um, but it was, you know, the gig paid well enough, well enough to where that wasn't. A problem and again that was also part of why it was so great and one of the things that I did was I always tried to since I don't have kids mm-hmm. it was really easy for me to say well I'm going to stay like an extra day in this city or take the red eye um on the other end of the the last day we're there to try and experience it because I really love traveling. That's cool. Yeah. So I would stay like we were in Portland and I said I don't know the next time I'm going to be in Portland yeah. and so I just traveled really late the day that we were supposed to leave and stayed in town and saw all the stuff or I would try and come That's in town great. a little early. Or we had a California swing where we were in LA and then San Francisco and I just drove up the coast, you know. Um, so that is really... Did you get to see a lot of friends yes, across the country? I did. It was really great. Friends and family. Yeah. Family I didn't even remember having. <laughs> yeah. Come out of the woodwork yeah, to definitely. see you in the C.S. Lewis play. Definitely. It was pretty cool. And how... I know your wife is an actor, too. Mm-hmm. How How is that for you guys? Having, uh, well, it's... Dealing been, with long distance. Yeah. We, for the longest time... She was the one leaving all the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we kind of got good at it in a sense. And we'd be really good about setting limits for how long we're willing to go without seeing each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think at one point we were like, anything over five weeks is untenable. (laughs) Like we have to figure out a way to see each other. And so we, we pretty much abided by that rule. Uh, and I would always come out to wherever she was, or if I was somewhere, she would come out to where I was. Um, and you know, you can get good at it, but you don't want to get too good at it because you don't want your marriage to consist (laughs) of being really, um, accustomed to being apart from one another, you know? But of course, if you have the opportunity to work, you want to, you want to say yes. Yeah. Because it's not like we all have those 
overflowing in our hands. We get to pick and choose all the time. Exactly. And she has made the decision to stay in town more recently. Mm -hmm. So she's not left so so much uh, in the last year. She's about to leave again, of course, in the spring. But but we've had more time together recently than we've had in a long time. And that's been really nice. It's so good when it happens. <laughs> I know um, for a long time, Frankie was always the one going out of town. And it was hard for both of us. But then last winter, I went out of town for two months. And he was like, this is terrible. <laughs> I'm like, see? Yeah. <laughs> now you're now the one you know who has to like be left at home. To wake up alone. Yeah. <laughs> Are you guys pretty attached to New York? Do you think you'll be here for the long term? It's so funny. We had this conversation the other day. Mm-hmm. I think most of what it is is sometimes we fantasize about having more space or a yard or access to a tree. Yep. <laughs> and we like will sit down and fantasize about the things we could do and the places we could go. And we pretty much always just talk ourselves right back into staying in New York. Yeah. <laughs> because the opportunities that we've both have have had here over she's been here 10 years i've mm-hmm. been here eight um have just been so much better than what we feel like we could get elsewhere and of course the other option is like well let's just stop acting mm-hmm. and find something else and then you know that's a pretty scary void to look into sometimes and ultimately i just don't think i want to do that I think I'm a lifer one way or another, even if it ends up being teaching. Um, I do kind of think I'm a lifer. She has more skills than I do. Um, (laughs) (laughs) She's more, uh, she's just better at um, being employed and having a a more of a variety (laughs) of interests and things that she could do for money. And I have like three. (laughs) (laughs) So... Um. Yeah, that's an interesting question to pose to yourself. Like, what would I do mm-hmm. if I just stopped pursuing this? Because we've all uh, been doing it for so yeah. long. It kind of feels like a a treadmill sometimes. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, there is that stop button there. Yeah. I guess I could just push it. <laughs> and then I also wonder... But I don't know what I would do either. Yeah, and 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 then, of course, I have these moments where I'm like, do I love it as much as I say I do? And, or am I just so used to it that I can't really right. see my way into any other Well, that's of the life. hard part is like, I'm sure you do love it as much as you do when you're getting to do mm-hmm. it, but it's the tiring part where you're trying yeah. to get the opportunity to do it. That's that exhausting. It's so hard. Yeah. yeah. Um, what does your family make of your artistic lifestyle? Mm, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm from Dallas, Texas. And, uh, it's weird when I was growing up, I obviously had like an overactive imagination and all this energy and I was constantly, um, adorning costumes and creating like, you know, these worlds of make-believe. And someone actually said to me at one point, like, I think they were just trying to direct my energy towards something else other than hitting things with a sword in the house. And they were saying, you know, you can do this in school if you want to. Mm. And I was like, what? I didn't understand what they were getting at. And they're like, yeah, you can do drama. And you can, you How know. How old were you? 
I think pretty young, like, you know, nine or 10, something like that. Mm-hmm. And then I did start doing that. And it provided the outlet that I think that people were at, uh, you know, that I needed that it was, it was a new kind of, um, identity, a new kind of, um, thing that I was discovering that was also, that was fun and both really, um, creatively energizing. Even, you know, I was probably 14, 13, 14 when I started really getting into that in school. Mm-hmm. And then of course I wanted to do it all the time. And then when, it, and then when it started to come toward colleges and everyone's like, okay, whoa, 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 I, you know, that was all fine and good, this but nice I was hobby. like, this is your fault folks for trying to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, get me out of the house. And so no one else in your family pursues any like artistic kind mm, of career. Not really. My brother is a sometime musician uh and a drummer and so he's had you know bands and stuff throughout the years but uh uh and he is sort of very artistic artistically minded but not really in terms of pursuing uh it like a career um and my sisters both did stuff like that you know they're just very well-rounded and had those experiences um in in school, but never, no, never, never, you know, just whole hog like I did. Uh, and so my, uh, my parents were obviously very scared and my father was certainly just confused. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what this is. Um, uh, my mother, uh, was always really supportive. I think she really loved the idea that, that I was doing something like that. Yeah. And, and she was, you know, eventually really supportive when they realized that I did kind of have a plan uh, of how I was going to go about this. But now, my father will come to a play and he'll have like really insightful things to say because I, he's been forced him, to yeah. see so much stuff. He's <laughs> like, yeah, I thought that was really evocative of Beckett. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Uh, do they, have they... Or did your mom get to come see a lot of the stuff that you did when you were in San Francisco or like, yeah, uh, was it hard since Texas is kind of obviously far away? Right. They, um, they came to a lot of stuff at Evansville. Mm -hmm. They did come to some stuff in San Francisco and, um, the last trip my mother ever made, um, before she passed a couple of years ago was to see that first workshop production of The Great Divorce. Oh, really? Um, because she was a big C.S. Lewis fan, and she was just, huh. she was really uh, um, excited about the fact that, that that interest of hers was melding with my interests, and That's so she did get to see it. Um, yeah, they saw a lot of stuff, but some stuff I would just say, hey, don't don't come out for this. Right, save your money. <laughs> <laughs> this one's not my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> So right now, since you and I are working on reviving this production of Drunkalvania that we did a Mm -hmm. year and a half ago, what uh, you are playing the Mm Drunkalvania in this crazy bar bar set version of the play. What was that like for you to work on that part, and what is it like now to try to throw it back together now that we're Mm. we're going to be doing a three night limited run in a couple weeks? You know, that's always one of those parts 
that you look at and think, in 20-odd years, I will be great at that. Uh, and since we our production has, has sort of um, younged it, or aged it down a little bit, it's, mm-hmm. you know, the perfect opportunity to try and tackle it now. And it is really weird how easily I can... I find access to that part of someone who's sort of uh, self-loathing and uh, uh, feels like they've missed a lot of opportunities and um, just feels like some aspect of life has already passed them by. Uh, you know, I I can tend, as I've said, toward darkness and bitterness, and, and it's actually really great to find a role where... Um, you can ac- access those things uh, in a creative way mm-hmm. and not just in a way that is, uh, that is, uh, makes you miserable. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's really, it was just really, it didn't take a lot, in all honesty, to, to approach that. I just kind of get him, I think. I'm excited we get to do it again. Me too. Um, the show that I just worked on, the the one that was about the Donner Party, yeah. that everybody oh, on the my. podcast has heard all about, um, was kind of interesting in that same way. There was a scene that was literally like a life or death situation, and I just found it really fun as an actor, first of all, to work on, because the stakes literally couldn't get any higher, mm-hmm. but also just really satisfying, like you said, to be able to go to those dark places in a useful, like creative way that was satisfying in the end and then come out of it unscathed on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> and that's great. It's great when you can play with the emotions like that and then not have to be responsible for them later right. on. Which I think you have to learn. Yeah. I mean, I know I yeah. did some work when I was younger where I definitely accessed like certain parts of myself yeah. or like used parts of my life in an unhealthy way yeah. that was hard to shake afterwards. But it's part of those skills, I guess. We yeah. Got is, that is like one of the weird things you have to learn. To take care of yourself. Um, yeah, to take care of yourself, exactly. And that you are, you actually have to be responsible to your, your castmates, too, for yeah. whatever uh, vitriol you're, <laughs> you're um, digging into. Well, especially if you're going to wind up doing a play for two years. Yeah, yeah. You can't treat yourself the same way as you might if you're only doing no, it for two weeks. not at all. Which I'm sure we all learned in yeah, college after yeah. a while. Are there any places in the city that you like to go when you're feeling kind of sapped creatively oh, and you yeah. need to be re-energized or re-inspired? Yeah, I mean, so I used to, when I lived in Washington Heights, I would always go to Fort Tryon Park mm-hmm. um, because I just felt like, you know, you it felt like I had a little corner of the city that was wooded, that was like all my own. You know, and it was pr- pretty easy to find seclusion there. Yeah, that's and, a beautiful park. Yeah, I used to run through there. And uh, now that I no longer live there um, and don't have access to a park immediately, I mean, I, I, I walk my neighborhood in Sunnyside because there's a lot of um, Sunnyside Gardens has this whole canopy of trees. Mm-hmm. That's really beautiful. Um, that I will just wind my way through. Yeah. Uh, and there are a couple smaller parks that I will walk That's to. the one thing that Astoria and Sunnyside is missing for me is more parks. Yeah. <clears throat> I just I wish they were more accessible. Because if you want that kind of experience right away, uh, 
it, getting on a train seems I know. <laughs> seems weird. Like, I'm gonna go to Central <laughs> Even Park Even if it's now. only a 15 minute yeah, ride, yeah, because seems... you have to bookend your park trip with train trips, and, and it's it a little it. it ruins it. Yeah, yeah. but uh, so so I I do walk uh, the neighborhood. Sometimes I'll walk Queens um, because I it's it's so expansive and I know it so well mm-hmm. that sometimes I will just wander I'll wander up to Astoria and back down <laughs> to the sunny side and I love I love walking Claire and I actually walk a lot too yeah I feel like you um, uh, you know at some point there's only so much productive thinking you can get done if you're just sitting still and looking each other in the eyes <laughs> as mm-hmm. a couple but if you're walking you're actually like engaging a different part of your body and also your mind and you end up doing a lot of productive talking, I think. But other than, you know, that I'll, I'll go to a play. Yeah. Or the movies. <laughs> I do love going to the movies alone. Oh God, it's the I best. I think it's so nice. It is the best. Or I'll go to a matinee and I'll sneak in like an egg and cheese sandwich. Yeah. Or a beer. Or a beer <laughs> in the morning. Mm. <laughs> Just splendid. <laughs> no, I agree with that. Um, has there been any shows you've seen recently that you would like to recommend? Uh, yeah, it all took place before the new year because I was uh, I was rehearsing and performing for the last two months. But uh, Fool for Love was terrific. I missed it. Oh, man. I wish I had seen it. That stuff was good. Uh, what is the Pinter one that was at American Airlines? With oh, Clive Owen. Goodness. Uh old times. Old times, yeah. Yeah. I love Penter. I missed that one too. And uh that one was really good. Yeah. And then I saw Mercury Fur. Did you hear about this show? No. It's a really profoundly messed up, violent, uh, disturbing show. But also sort of worth seeing for those reasons. I, I like to see I, it's one of those things I always think that that's the sort of thing I want to be a part of. Like, mm-hmm. I want to be a part of someone that's really edgy. And then you see it and you're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I want to be a part of it. But that's, the show was really, um, for what it was, which was sort of a poetic piece of uh, post-apocalyptic violence. Where was it? It was at... It was at the Signature, but... It, it was oh. another company in one of the smaller spaces that all took place in, in an abandoned uh, house hmm. um, in in the end end times, and uh, it was really messed up. <laughs> and <laughs> and it's hard to sit. There. It's it's also like to test your limits as an audience member when you sit there and you're like, I can do this. I can. But some people just got up and left. I'm know? sure. Yeah. <laughs> but it was fascinating and oh. and effective, and I think. It, a lot of mixed reviews. Do you are you a writer? Do you find that um, I yeah know, as an outlet? Um, I used to write. <laughs> that's almost what I said. I used to write poetry. Yeah, uh, and I did that a lot, and I don't do that anymore for whatever reason. Um, but now I'm starting to write more. I've I have a. Um, Oh, a little web series with our dear friend Stephen Plunkett. You that, do? Yeah, it's a comedy web series. It's it's a it's like a um, weekend update for sports. How long has this been going on? Well, we've all, we only did four episodes, and then we both got really busy. Uh-huh. Um, he's very successful and busy, as you know, and so he's all he's. Uh, we both just the last 
um, several months have not been able to do it at all. But we did four of them, and it's just he and I sitting at an anchor table, basically recapping sports in a funny way. Oh, I can't way. wait to see that. Yeah, What's yeah. What's it called? Where it's can we called see it? the Perfect Spiral. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're on YouTube, and our Twitter handle is <laughs> at Spiral Perfect. I think, but I, you know, <laughs> we were just sitting around joking about sports one day and he was like, we should write a comedic, you know, That's uh, awesome. you know, like sports are so self-serious and, mm-hmm. um, sanctimonious and really, uh, uh, it's just so easy <laughs> to mock sports and particularly sports reporting. And I think that's yeah, what we've tried to do. People talk about it so yeah, much. Yes. So much. So, and it's, it doesn't deserve the, uh, that much attention. I mean, I right. love, I love sports, but, <laughs> but I, even I'm like, this is ridiculous guys. Um, and so I think we were trying to sort of, uh, poke holes in that paradigm cool. and he kind of had the idea and he said he would film it and edit it if I would write it. And so I write the episodes and then we do them together. And it's funny cause I can't tell you how many times you sit down with friends and go, we should write something. Yep. And you just never, <laughs> ever, ever do. I've and done it a hundred times. This one we did. That's amazing. And it was mostly just for fun, but then we started showing it to friends and they're like, this is actually pretty good. So I hope, I hope we'll be able to do more of those now that we're both, I think, about to have some more free time. That's great that it's so specific, too. I think that mm-hmm. helps. So you can always just say, oh, I want to do a web series with my best friend. Y- yeah. It's about best friends in an apartment. <laughs> <laughs> but to have, like, a really distinct structure and topic yeah, like that, it is helpful. I feel like would make it easier to, yeah. to tackle and make it a reality. And they're, you know five minutes or less so it's awesome. not it's not even a ton of work quite frankly <laughs> but I'm, I'm proud of them i think they're funny have you ever tried playwriting yeah um i've written several first acts of plays and then i just get disheartened and i quit mm-hmm. but i have one thing i've been working on for a long time um kind of about uh the process of my mother's illness that I don't even know if it's ever going to see the light of day because it's kind of intensely personal, but I, at least I, I still enjoy writing it. It's something I've been sort of writing and rewriting for a long time. And, um, I don't know if it's ever actually going to, going to come to anything, but, uh, I do enjoy sitting down and creatively just having, uh, accessing that, that, uh, experience and also, uh, having something else to do and to and to to write when I don't have anything else going on. Yeah, mm. something that you have control over. Mm-hmm. Would that be something that does it have multiple characters or would it just no? It would be, 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 be a one man thing. Yeah. Uh, if it ever is anything, and again, mm-hmm. I don't know that it will be. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other artistic things you just do as an outlet for yourself? I do stand up sometimes. You do? But I find that the pursuit of being a stand up comic is even more depressing than the pursuit of being an actor. Mm. And so I don't really think I can do both of those things. But sometimes someone someone will invite me to like sit in on uh a night that they're doing or host. I've hosted um, you know, like an improv night where I was like the MC. Uh, and that's a ton of fun. And again, another thing to write for that, that is, um, you know, engages kind of a different part of your, 
brain and, and skill set. But I just don't, I don't, I haven't had the time recently to do that as much as I would like to. I'd like to try and get back out there. I mean, that's kind of cool because you can pursue it on your own. Yeah. Right. Or if you really wanted to, you could go to an open mic and do mm-hmm. it without anyone telling you. Exactly. Telling you you can. Exactly. <laughs> the way with actors, it happens so often. Yeah. Um, so now that this show's over, are you going to try to get back in the audition? Yeah. I, I mean, I've already been um, plugging away a little bit, but uh, it's hard because, you know, I, when you are with a long-term project like that, which is, you know, obviously sort of rare, you just get into this place where you're like, well, this is my job. And then, of course, <laughs> when it goes away, you you know, it does feel like part of your identity is is uh, a little bit assaulted because you don't, you have, oh, yeah, that was my job for a while, and now uh, it's not. But I'll, you know, I'll find something else. Um, but nothing aside from our little jaunt, uh, right now is on the horizon. So we'll see. How do you approach auditions? Do you have any Mm. ways that you try to make it a positive experience for yourself? I'm still really bad at auditioning. I find it so stressful. Uh, and I'm always stunned (laughs) when I book something. (laughs) I'm like, really? After all that? Uh, it's, I don't know, I, I, I'm also coaching a little bit right now. Yeah. And when I'm coaching, I feel like I'm able to tell people, re- I'm able to give some really pretty decent advice on how to walk into the room and audition. And then, of course, I can't follow that advice at all right. when I'm there. And I, I get uh, unfocused and my like breath goes away and I, can't, I don't. Um, but I really think, and this is, cliched but i really think just trying to actually focus on the task at hand and putting your like if you're reading sides that you really do take a moment before you start and say who am i talking to and what's going on here and kind of plant yourself in the circumstances of the scene i mean that's really the only i don't know how to say like like go in there and be relaxed and have fun because it's not <laughs> relaxing and it's not fun at all but isn't it funny how like we all know to do that but when you are about to go in the room your mind is running over like a million mm-hmm. other things besides those things yeah and, and i find like, my heart's beating really fast why is my heart why beating is my fast? Re- why is my mouth dry who's that person sitting uh-huh. over there <laughs> and i find that um i know some people who are able to go into the room and just be really charming mm-hmm and I, for a while, I was like, maybe I'll try and do that. And of course, when I went into the room and tried to be really charming, I, I, I came across like a, a blabbering psychopath, you know, and people were like, get him out of here. So I don't, I just feel like you can't force anything. You have to walk in and just try and be nice, cordial, <laughs> professional, and then do your job. But yeah. I don't, I don't always know how to do that. Um, do you have anything... We might have already talked about it, but do you have any anything that you've done in the last couple of years that you were really proud of that you want to mention? It could be a, a big thing or a little thing. I was really proud of... It's weird. I was really proud of Drunk Lavagna and this company that we work with that does classic plays and bars. Also, the, the, I got to sub in for their Romeo and Juliet. Uh, 
I think that work is always really great because it's so immediate when you are surrounded by like a a bar full of people, but they're actually watching a good performance and that they forget that they're in a bar. Mm -hmm. And when it, when it flips from being kind of a novelty into being something that's actually uh, a good theater experience and you can feel when it's happening too, uh, is really incredible. And I, I've, I've only really felt that with this company. It feels like, you know, did you ever see like, um, too much like makes the baby go blind in Chicago. I did once, you know, it mm-hmm. feels like I'm never going to get to do that. But the, the thing that we do with this company feels like as close as I'll get, you know, it has these elements of, uh, it's almost like, a like a comedy sketch experience, but through the prism of a classic play that actually maintains its story and themes. Give me one second. I'm going to pull it up on my phone so we can give a little shout out to these performances we're doing. Sure. Um, so if you want to come see Joel and I in Drunkalvania with Three Day Hangover, we're going to be performing it uh, January 21st through 23rd at 8 p.m. up in Mamaroneck, Mamaroneck, New York. You heard it. Molly Spillane's Pub. Um you can look up the Three Day Hangover website for more information, but if anyone wants to come up on Metro North and play with us, it'll be a lot of fun. It'll be interesting to see the crowd. <laughs> it'll be yeah, so different. I have no when idea. we did it in the city, you know, it was a, mm-hmm. a bunch of young people and artists and yeah. Chekhov enthusiasts will see <laughs> if the, you know, the Westchester middle-aged yeah. white wine drinkers are into it or I, not. <laughs> I won't put it past them. I have confidence in, yeah. that, in that crowd. I think we'll have a lot of fun. Yeah. Are there any uh, like things that you turn to when you're going to the dark side? Uh, you find yourself turning to it again and again, like a book or an album that mm, you listen to over mm, and over or yeah. something, something you um, reach for from your past? I have... There's this book of poems by a poet called Donald Hall who was, I think he was the poet laureate of these United States for a little while, um, called The Painted Bed, which is, it's really weird because it's a deeply sad, it's a really, really sad uh, book of poems about uh, the death of his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is this theme he knocks on a lot, which is about uh, the fact that losing things is a, an essential ongoing part of life and in fact you end up losing everything because you will lose your life and something about uh that perspective is really helpful for me Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i think it's you know obviously about making hay while the sun shines but also about um helping to really contextualize your own bitching and moaning about the things in your life that aren't really that that much of a problem and um about l- loving the people that you love while while they're there mm-hmm. yeah i there's a lot of books of poetry poetry is really easy to just pull off the shelf and flip to a page and then be inspired right. by something which i really i really like that um i listen to music all the time but sometimes i'll listen to like jazz or like handles messiah (laughs) just to to uh get out of the um 
confines of listening to something with lyrics. I love stuff with lyrics, and I'm always listening to my old standards like Radiohead. But but I, I've recently been drawn to instrumental stuff because I feel like it helps you. You can you can let it uh, uh, get into your thoughts, and you can, your thoughts sort of transform with the as the music plays. It kind of makes everything seem a little more epic that you're yes, doing. Yes, yes. I am washing dishes. <laughs> <laughs> to a timpani solo. This is very important. Yeah. Well, Joel, thank you so much for talking with me. I really appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having me. It's great. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Compass Podcast. I'm Leah Walsh. More episodes are coming soon. Please look for us on Facebook and iTunes. I'd like to thank the following people for their generosity. The Compass cover art is by Kim Miller. Music by Brendan Spieth. Audio assistance from Nick Choksi. And a special thanks to Frankie J. Alvarez. See you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.